Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. We're getting a little bit of a weather change today. Uh, When I left uh, Fort Collins this morning, the roads were just wet, but my understanding is they're starting to freeze. So if you're out and about, be careful. We could get some black ice out there. Uh, We're supposed to get a little snow. Biggest thing is the temperatures are going to plummet today. Uh, We're going to get down to 16 tonight, although it's going to be back up to 60 by Wednesday. I'm contemplating uh, being out in the boat Wednesday. I'm not sure yet. But we're also getting ice up in the mountains, and we're probably going to get fairly early ice fishing down here, too. we got waterfowl hunting going on. We've got upland game. The upland game reports have been just fantastic. The pheasant population is really showing up. There's good quail. So there's just a ton of things going on. We're going to get some reports on both open water and ice fishing later in the hour. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about a few other subjects just because of the time of the year. We're going to start throwing Christmas gift ideas out there for the outdoor enthusiast in your your life. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Uh, Karen posts on Facebook the, the fishing report put out by Parks and Wildlife. She park she posts a link to my column in the Denver Post. And every time we put a new uh, video up on our YouTube channel, she posts that. And she'll post upcoming guests. Uh, Last week we had Dave Gentz. We're doing our Masters of Ice Fishing series. Uh, Next uh, next couple weeks we're going to have Bo Brosdahl and Steve Panaz. And then, of course, some of our local talent like Nate Zielinski and Bernie Keefe and all those guys are joining us. We're going to talk quite a bit of ice fishing because it looks like it's going to start early. And speaking of our Masters of Ice Fishing, let's go right to the phones now. Joining us from northern Minnesota, he's a legendary guide. He's one of the pioneers of the modern-day techniques used in ice fishing and probably one of the best ice fishing anglers I've been privileged to uh, be on the water with. Uh, That's Greg Claggio. Good morning, Greg. Hey, buddy, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. You like that intro? You're too kind. (laughs) Well, it's it's all earned and deserved. I'll tell you what. You know, I was thinking coming down here, I remember the old big shacks we used to fish out of were sitting out there freezing on a bucket, hoping a crappie would start to bite on a minnow. We didn't even know if they were there. Boy, times have changed, haven't they? They have in in a big way, in a good way. No, they really have. What? Let's, you know, we're going to get to some modern day stuff, some tips, some things that are going on, maybe getting ready. But what are, uh, you know, just the, some of the biggest things, of course, were the portable shelters and uh, and the electronics. Were those the two biggest changes? And, and then what else maybe have you seen that's really helped your ice fishing? Well, like you said, the, the shelters and the electronics, those were key for sure. But I don't know if there's really another, a third one that is as important as those. I mean, it, that just set everything on fire. Well, it did. It changed the way we all approached fish. Instead of sitting there wondering if there was a fish down there and when they might start to bite, we could see it. You know, one of the things that we didn't talk about last week that you and I are big on, too, is you can actually see, with your good electronics, how that fish is responding to your presentation. So you not only know there's fish there, but you can see how to change your presentation to catch them. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times, it's just the opposite what you, you may think. 
I've had fish that have really been fussy, and I put down the smallest things I could find, small wax worms or maggots and tungsten jigs, and they didn't want it. But I turn it around 180 degrees and drop down like a puppet minnow or jigging wrap, and they hammer it. It just doesn't make any sense but it, to me, but you got to keep changing, and uh, you'll see. You'll notice uh, the attitude of the fish, so if you really keep your eyes open. Yeah, they're, uh, they're what we call a mood indicator, good electronics. Uh, and there's such good electronics out there right now, and, of course, the cameras. You know, some other things that have progressed, too, that we don't talk about as much are rods and reels have progressed quite a bit and fishing line. But sometimes changing isn't always necessary. Our, our, I know you've upgraded. You're using where we used to make our own ice rods that are broken rods. You use some pretty uh, high, high-end ice rods now, don't you? I do. I've tuned up custom rods. They're uh, very sensitive. They come in a wide range of different styles and models, and it's a truly, truly a, a real custom rod because if you order one, they'll make them to your color and length and action and you know whatever the type of handle, the type of guides. Truly a custom rod, and uh, I'm really happy with them. Well, and it's so important. Uh, so many people get these big pool cue type rods, or they get rods that are so limber that when you move the rod, you don't move the bait. And it's really important to have a rod that's sized to the line and the base you're going to use so you can have the sensitivity, but still protect yourself from a big strike. Oh, yeah. A lot of the rods I, I find myself using have a real soft tip. You know, you can see if I'm out there and I'm uh, I'm going to use two rods. We're allowed two in Minnesota, three in Wisconsin. I don't know about where you live, but uh, I'll put down a dead stick. You know, if it's kind of a moderate viper, they're not really jumping out of the hole. I'll use two lines, and I'll put that dead stick down, and that'll have a real soft, sensitive, sensitive tip on it, and it acts like a bobber. You don't have to worry about it freezing, you know, like a bobber would freeze if you're outside. But you just notice it just kind of twitch a little bit and slowly starts sinking down, and you've got plenty of time to reach over and grab it and set the hook and game on. Well, you know, you made a great point there, the two rods. We're allowed two rods here, too, if you have a second rod stamp. We're allowed two rods year-round with the second rod stamp. And a lot of times... I'm using a dead stick and one that I'm actively making a presentation. And people make the mistake. They're getting bit on that dead stick. So they switch the one they're making the presentation, whether it's a spoon or a jigging wrap or just an active jig or something that they're really working down in the hole, make, giving us some vibration, giving it some motion. They change that out thinking, well, the fish, all they want is a dead stick. But even if they're not biting that active one, a lot of time they're coming in to look at it. And that's when they're finding your dead stick. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. You, no, know, you kind of lure them in, you kind of ring the dinner bell with that bigger bait, and they come in, if they don't hit it, they'll see something sitting there not moving much, and they're more apt to take it. No, I think you're absolutely right. Well, I know you guys are getting ready. It looks like you've got people on the ice already in Minnesota. Is that right? We do. There's a few that are getting out there, and uh, we're in our last weekend of the whitetail deer season here, and... Last year, I was sitting in the deer stand, and I hunted just about every day for two weeks. And Upper Red Lake was frozen over really good, and people were up there catching all kinds of walleyes, and I was just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather fish than hunt, put it like that. Yeah, well, and now you guys are getting good ice early. You'll probably be out there soon. 
I th- we're, I'm sure there are lakes in the mountains where there's fishable ice right now here. I haven't got any confirming reports. We are going to get some reports from some of those lakes later on in this hour. And if they're not here, they're close. Now, I always kind of use a gauge. I try to see if I can get my first trip in, just like we used to do in Minnesota the first weekend after Thanksgiving when we used to do the Minnesota Masters of Ice Fishing, you and I. But... Uh, Thanksgiving's the earliest it can be this year, so you've got to be a little careful about using that as kind of your your time mark when things usually start. But I'm sure you're out there getting ready. And when I was thinking about you coming on, because you and I kind of go back and forth on this and approach it differently, and, I, and then Nate Zielinski approaches it totally different than both of us, and that's as he's getting ready what he uses for fishing line. But I would say the first thing, getting ready, don't you think one of the most important things is making sure you have good line on your rods? I do. You know, and I have so many rods, but, you know, during my spare time here, and I'll uh, strip all that line off, and I put fresh line on, and I don't go as light as one pound. I'll go from maybe two pound cast, two, three, four for panfish and walleyes, uh, four and six for the walleyes usually. Eight, it depends on the fishery. But uh, it's all, you know, after all these years, I'm still using Trilene XL. Yeah, and, you know, Trilene XL is a good line. And uh, Nate likes to use XT. He likes a little bit more of the abrasion resistance. I use a combination. I use some XL. I use some fluorocarbon, and I use some super lines. But in a way, I kind of do that so that I can try different lines in different situations. They all have they all have their benefits and their drawbacks. Now, I argue with Nate on the XT that the XT tends to be not as soft so that it coils a little more even when it's new. And, boy, when you've got a tiny ice jig on there, you just don't want those coils, do you? Oh, absolutely not. And you know, there's another thing with uh, the inline reels that people use. And I still don't own one. You know, if, if you're fishing shallow, I'd say six or ten feet, that might be good. But my first experience, well, you were with me. We did a show on Bowstring Lake when I tried one out, and I wasn't too happy. But that was in the infancy, and they didn't, uh, the, rate, the gear ratio was one to one. If you caught a fish in 30 feet of water, you're really cranking to get that thing up there. Yeah. Now they have got multipliers on them now and they claim it doesn't. But you know, when I get into those situations, I use, I've got some heavier ice fishing rods that I use some of my lighter bait casting reels on if I want to get away from that line twist. Because obviously, uh, spinning rods do put some twist in line, which is detrimental to ice fishing, both twist the rod and can give some spin to your lure. But, you know, if you've got good quality tackle and you keep your line in good shape and watch what you're doing, I still like taking my summer reels, really. I've got some for just that I use for ice fishing, but they're the same type and they're usually lighter and they, they're not, they give me a great feel because I can use real lightweight reels. Oh yeah. And I just wrote an article about that. And, a lot of my reels I'll use for walleye and panfish are the 20 series, you know, the Bluebeard President 20s. And uh, the next step up, the 25, I'll use it for a little heavier fish in it, even though that's not really a big reel. But I like to go with the smallest reel, that a good reel, the smallest reel possible on these light rods. Everything is so light and sensitive. It just makes things a lot more, you can just feel stuff. It's a lot more productive. Now, you're using XL, and a lot of people would use a braid 
or a fluorocarbon, and they claim they get a little more sensitivity. Why have you chosen XL? You just like the way you fish with it. You're just comfortable. Is there, it just does, it stays smooth in the water. It doesn't freeze up as much. Are those some of the reasons? Well, I don't know. I just use it for so many years with great success, and I'm sticking with it. But, you know, if I'm fishing really deep, a lot deeper water, I'll, I'll use braided line. Because that, you know, with a leader, put a mono leader or fluorocarbon leader on the end of it. Yeah, and with today's portable shelters and things, if you do get a little inclement weather, you just close up the shelter. What type of shelter are you fishing out of these days? I'm using an ice runner. Actually, I just picked up the newest one. Uh, it's called the Escape, and it's a one-man, and it really <laughs> it's perfect for me because it's light. It, it only weighs like 38, 35, 38 pounds, but it's totally insulated. It's got a real durable base, uh, rear entry, which is different for the ice fishing world but and i wasn't quite sure how to take that when i first tried it but once you get set up you got your heater in front of you and the holes in front of you anytime you leave the shelter you go out through the back and there's never a chance of stepping in a hole or burning your pant leg on the heater or something like that so it's really very functionable i like it well it sounds good where would people find information about those uh you can go online kmba I think it's KMDA Incorporated. All right. And well, they're based, based right out of Bolsey, Minnesota, not too far from where I live. Well, folks, we're going to, if you've missed part of this interview, we'll put it up on Facebook in the next couple of days. We, like I'll do it, Greg. Karen will put it up like I have anything to say. I tried putting <laughs> the last one up, being you're going to be on, and I forgot your picture, and she got mad at me. So. Well, at least you remembered my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what I'm kind of doing with everybody that's talking nowadays, too? And by the way, a lot of before I move on, a lot of the things that you use for panfish are very similar to what we use for rainbow trout. And I know you've got some rainbow trout out there. Is there anything different you do when you go after those rainbow trout compared to when you go after the panfish? Not much. Not too much. I know uh, it depends on the, on the fishery. But uh, on one, I was using a small, I can't remember, it was like a little miniature airplane jig, and I'd tip it with gulp. And that was working really good, white gulp on the end of that thing, and let that swim around. And I wouldn't even, you know, in that kind of fishery, I wouldn't even use electronics because they'd swim right underneath. I'd be in 60 feet of water, and they would swim right below my feet. So I'd be sight fishing. Uh, hey, see them two, two and three feet below your feet. You know, you brought up a great point before we move on, too, um, and that's using artificials now for ice fishing. I think 10, 15 years ago, 90% of the time I had live bait with me, and I wouldn't even thought about going ice fishing without it. Now, I'll still use some live bait, but I use so much artificials when I'm ice fishing now that I don't even hardly take live bait with me a lot of times. Yeah, I, you're, I'm like that, too, and I'll pick up, I'll order a, a big tub of wax worms or maggots, and I'll have them with me, but I find myself using a lot of plastic. Are there a couple that you've what? really been fond of? Oh, there's so many. It's like I I work with Northland Tackle, and I use some of their blood worms and uh, variations of their, their slurpy-type baits. They're, uh, you know, they're scented, and I've done really well with them, but just something that's not too big, looks natural. Well, we get, blood worm, perfect. We have to run, but before we go, if somebody was going to buy you an ice fishing Christmas gift, what would you want? <laughs> you know what? I'm, it depends on the price, and I, I've got to buy this myself, but 
after watching Garmin's panoptics last year, incredible, absolutely incredible. But that's a spendy item, but I'm going to have to bite the bullet and get one. All right. Well, we've got to run. We're out of time, Greg. But thanks for joining us. And it's always great to reminisce about ice fishing and a lot of great tips. Hopefully people take them to heart when they get out on the ice here. And you get out and have an enjoyable ice season. You too. Take care. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. Joining us, our good friend from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Joe Lewandowski. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Terry. Wishing you good morning from beautiful Durango, Colorado. Well, we're getting kind of some weather here. And, you know, I was thinking with you on the line, with this with this weather coming in and that we're supposed to have a cold, snowy winter, we're, well, we're hopeful for a lot of snow this year because we really didn't get what we needed last year. But it's coming in. We're getting that. So we should be taking care of our big game animals. We should maybe probably feed them and take care of them so they don't die during this winter, huh? Oh, we'll come and uh, throw you in the... CPW slammer for that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people think uh, that, you know, they see deer on the side of the road or in their yard or, or somewhere and, and they they look uh, hungry and, and they want to give them something to eat. And that's uh, actually the worst thing anyone could do for uh, for a big game animal. It happens with deer and bighorn sheep a lot, unfortunately. Well, the food I give them would be obviously be better than something they could find along the road or browse on, right? I mean, I'd give them some good, some good chocolate bars or something to warm them up. No, but you, you know, know so all, all kidding aside, Joe, there are so many pitfalls to that. Let's let's talk about them. First of all, the food is wrong, and we could really hurt their systems, can't we? Yeah, it's funny that uh, you know deer and bighorn sheep and elk are uh, ungulates, and you know they digest their food multiple times. And their systems actually change uh, going into the winter. Uh, during the summer, they're you know they're eating a lot of good fresh food, uh, natural stuff. Um, but in the winter time, their system kind of changes because they uh, they need to adjust because they can't eat that rich food during the winter. And what happens if they get something like oats or dog food or you know pizza scraps? Um, it's just too rich for their system. And uh, they develop uh, acid in their stomachs, and um, and it can kill them, and it, and it happens every year, unfortunately. Well, you know, and you're absolutely right, because first of all, these animals were built to live this lifestyle, the cold winters and the snow. They, they've, they've, they've adapted, they've uh, evolved in the Colorado mountains and plains and wilderness, and that's their, and they understand that, and even if they look skinny to us, and it is illegal to feed big game, game animals in Colorado, but there's other pitfalls too because you gather them in groups, and that causes things like disease and things, right? Yeah, um, just backing up for a second, it's kind of amazing. I mean, deer and these big game animals will lose 30 to 40 percent of their uh, body weight uh, during the winter. So they're, they're like you said, they're, they evolved to uh, put up with these conditions. And when they gather, um, there's a couple things that can happen. First of all, it can draw on mountain lions because mountain lions, uh, this is their primary prey. 
and you really don't want mountain lions wandering around your neighborhood. Uh, the other thing is when they bunch up, they have a tendency to pass around diseases. You know, they have a, a nose against a butt, and they're and they're just uh, too close together, and and uh, uh, critters get diseases just like uh, humans do when we get bunched up. So um, uh, when you put out food and you draw in a bunch of animals, it might look nice from your patio, but it's it's really a bad scene for the animals. Well, and I want to expound a little more on the mountain lion thing, too. We have a robust mountain lion population in Colorado, and off, I used to know the numbers, but off the top, I don't. But needless to say, there's a lot more than people think because they're such a stealthy animal that they're there and you just don't see them. They're not like a big bear who kind of wanders around, lump, you know, lumbers around and you see them. Mountain lions can be very close, and they seem like they can hide behind a blade of grass. And it's not only bad for the deer that they get gathered up and disease, and um, but now you've got uh, dogs and little children out, and we just don't want to bring something on. We don't need to because I'll guarantee you that even if you live in the suburbs of Denver, very close to the city, that if you have a lot of deer gathering, there's mountain lions there because it's hard in this state to have gathering of deer and really not have mountain lions, isn't it? Yeah, the um, you know overall, I mean, we've got. We think there's probably about 6,000 mountain lions in the whole state, and fortunately, uh, attacks on humans are exceedingly rare. But uh, we still, you know, you know, we want those animals behaving in the wild uh, naturally and not being drawn in artificially, uh, you know, by animals gathered because humans are giving them food. Now, another thing, and I want to move on to some other types of feeding, like is it okay to put bird feeders out and those things right now because we talk about the bears. But before we do that, um, if there would be such a thing, we've seen this happen where the winter can get so severe and so much snow that the animals do have trouble eating. But in that case, Parks and Wildlife puts on programs, and you can maybe volunteer or help, but don't try to supplement those programs. But you'll let us know, won't you? Yeah, that, uh, that's always a matter under discussion. Um, overall, feeding animals is a, is a very difficult choice on our part, and, uh, and usually animals can make it through the winter. The other thing is, you know, deer die. Uh, that's a natural part of the cycle. You know, we can't have these deer living forever. Um, and so it's, it's a tough, it's a tough choice, but if, if something like that happens, you know, we have the special feed formulas to take care of that. Well, and very seldom does independent human action help wild animals. And I can think back to spring when people think a a, a deer fawn is in danger and they, they take it and think they're rescuing it. Well, what they're doing is probably ending up getting it euthanized. In fact, wasn't there just recently in Colorado an incident where somebody thought they were rescuing a mountain lion cub and it really got sick and had to take it to a rehabilitation center? Yeah, down in uh, Walsenburg, uh, someone picked up a, uh, a mountain lion cub that they saw in a snowbank, and they thought it had been abandoned. It, it probably hadn't. Their mother was off feeding, and they fed it some bratwurst, and this animal was still nursing with its mother. So um, hopefully we'll be able to rehab that animal and, and turn it loose again. But uh, but it, it can't go back to its mother now because the mother's gone. But yeah, if you see baby animals, leave them alone. They, you know, they've done fine on their own for thousands of years. Well, when you draw animals in, whether it's big game animals or even smaller ones, 
um, you're opening up the potential that the, that animal may have to be euthanized, especially bears. And now we're getting to the point where in the summer, you and I are always telling people, be careful of bird feeders, garbage, grills, things like that, because these bears are out actively feeding. And when they get towards fall, when they have to put on like 20,000 calories a day, they'll, the smallest amount of food can draw them from the longest distances. Where are we with things like bird feeders and things now? Are most of the bears in hibernation, and what should we be doing with bird feeders? Yeah, we've had good uh, good cold snaps, and there's a lot of snow in a lot of areas of the state, so most of the bears are, are denned up. Uh, there might be one or two wandering around, but it's uh, pretty unusual now. With bird feeders, we had a, uh, we've had a situation over in the Montrose area where people are feeding birds, and uh, they notice that their uh, eyes are being in, in kind of infected. Um, these are house finches. And so what uh, we ask people to do is if you put bird feeders out during the winter, clean them about once a month, give them a good scrub. Um, and if you have multiple bird feeders, keep them spaced apart so animals don't bunch up so much. They pass a lot, around a lot of bacteria. You know, they have their droppings go underneath the uh, bird feeders, so sweep up under that bird feeder. Just keeping it clean um, is is a really good idea. Help, helps the birds um, and, uh, you know, keeps those birds healthy. Now, we got to let you go. We're running out of time. And I know Rebecca wants to come on and tell us how to get over our guilt trip on Thanksgiving next week. Well, but, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but but before I do, any 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 place on the website they can get information about the how about feeding animals and not feeding them? Yeah, if you go to the CPW website, just Google it, and there's a Living with Wildlife uh, tab that you can click and, and read about all kinds of animals that, that you might be seeing, you know, especially in urban areas during the winter. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. You have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you. You too. All right, that's Joe Lewandowski. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we are going to tell you about how you can either get over the guilt trip or maybe burn a few pounds or just enjoy the outdoors right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Rebecca Farrell. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, It's kind of a dreary day out, and we're talking some ice fishing. We're talking some hunting. But it's supposed to get really nice during the week, like up to 60 degrees by Wednesday. And there's going to be pent up people wanting to get out, but then they're going to sit down Thursday and they're going to gorge themselves. We all do. I don't (laughs) care. I don't care who you are. You can eat this great big Thanksgiving dinner and you think you're so full. And then somebody comes out with this little dessert and you go, well, okay. And so the next always room for dessert. Yeah. And then we wake up the next morning going, what have I done? But you got some ideas that maybe get over that guilt trip and maybe just things you should do anyway during the winter, right? Absolutely. So, you know, we're really fortunate at CPW that, you know, we're kind of tasked with, you know, providing this great quality park system and providing opportunities for people to get out and recreate outdoors. And so, you know, as we start hearing, you know, I was listening to the ads as I was waiting to come on and people are talking about Black Friday and and gearing up for shopping. And and we've kind of got some alternative thoughts for you this year. Um, And we are offering what we call Fresh Air Friday. And so this is our fourth year of offering uh, free admission to all 41 of our state parks. 
works so that after you kind of got that guilty feeling about that extra piece of pie or maybe, you know, you've spent a little too much time cooped up with the family, get outside. Um, instead of standing in line and looking for things that you can buy, go out and make some memories with your friends and family, and you can do it for free at all of our state parks. Well, and you're right. Now, there's a lot of things you can do. Now, obviously, if you want to burn off a few of those calories, there's there's trails that you can hike and run and bike, and there's even climbing, and there's just so many different activities you can burn the calories. But just being outside and clearing your head and, and enjoying the beautiful outdoors in Colorado, you know, we've been talking that there's ice fishing coming up. There's, I'm sure, going to be some parks that will have some fishable ice. There's going to be others that will have open water that's still fishable on Friday. Now, you can get into the park for free and go do that or take your family. You know what? An outdoor picnic in the cold, sometimes that brisk cup of coffee out of the thermos and even a sandwich or hot chocolate. It's just a great way to experience bonding and making memories and instead of sitting home eating leftovers or take a turkey sandwich with you but so you're saying all the parks in the state are are uh, are having the entry free are any of them having special activities they are. So, you know, we do want to thank our, our partners and our friends over at Great Outdoors Colorado or GOCO, as most people know them. Um, they, they sponsor this for us. And so it's really nice to give people an opportunity. Um, like you said, if, if you're traveling, maybe you're at, near a park that you wouldn't normally get to, take a, a few hours, go visit a park that you maybe aren't used to. And so some of those are offering some uh, naturalist guided hikes, for example. So you can have a special four-mile hike where you've got a ranger or a, a volunteer out telling you about some of the special features of the park. Um, some of the parks out west, I know Steamboat um, is having sort of hot beverages and snacks in their visitor center all day. So when you go out outside, maybe you've been able to do a little snowshoeing or cross-country skiing uh, uh, over in the west side of the state. Um, come in, warm up, talk to some of our volunteers. They love having people in. You're right. And they're just it's just something nice about getting out. And I'll tell you, you mentioned Black Friday and staying away from the malls. Well, yeah. <laughs> th- there's there's a lot of gifts you can buy. I, I always encourage on this show, we start giving them gift ideas right now because yep. you won't find me near a mall on this Friday. I mean, I, the furthest away I can be, the better off I am. Um, <laughs> there's nothing they can put on sale that can drive me there to make it worth putting up with that. But if you really need, if you have an outdoor enthusiast or if you spend time at parks in your family, most of the uh, visitor centers uh, have gift certificates or you can get gift certificates for park passes, but a lot of them have books and art and mementos. There's a lot of things, isn't there? Yeah, we have some really great friends and volunteer groups. Um, sometimes there's even things like cookies and things that you can buy, but um, our visitor centers um, often have great gift ideas. You know, you can, to your point, buy gift certificates that you can use all year long. Maybe you have some family who like to get outside, but they're, they're summer people. Um, get them a gift certificate for Christmas. They can come out to the parks or, or get a fishing license in the summer. Um, we also have lots of... Uh, gifted uh, merchandise such as sweatshirts and water bottles and all of those things that kind of commemorate each individual park. So there are great ideas. And this is a, a great time of year also to be thinking about our Colorado Outdoors magazine. Um, the photo issue is coming up, which is pretty much everybody's favorite issue every year. Um, users and, and customers send in their photos um, via social media or through, um, you know, submissions to our website. And so you get to see Colorado through Coloradans eyes. Um, you know, we, we have a great staff that puts out a great magazine, but it's always fun to be able to see the state through other people's eyes and and see what they're enjoying and and what they kind of take away from their time in Colorado. So it's one of our favorites every year. Now, if I can't get to a park, a lot of this I can do online too, right? Yep. 
we have a, a full online shop now, so you can go ahead and, and buy gift certificates. You can buy a magazine subscription, and we have some things like commemorative patches and, and things like that. So there's a lot of great merchandise that you can buy online if you aren't necessarily able to get out to the park. Um, we still have opportunities for you online as well. And, you know, those of you that are right in the area, we've got great resources right here on the Front Range, all the way from uh, Pueblo, all the way up through uh, in Loveland where we've got Boyd Park, but right here in the metro area, we've got we've got Bar Lake, we've got um, Chatfield and Cherry Creek and others. Uh, so there's places you can get out, and it's all going to be free on Friday, right? And and I'll Absolutely. bet it's not going to be crowded too. So here's your chance to get out and hike and walk and experience these places this weekend. And really, you know what? Getting out and walking still is one of the best exercises. You know, we, again, we encourage people to get outside all year long. And, you know, if you aren't near a park or if maybe you are a little bit uh, further away or, or don't have the ability to kind of take that few hours, we still want people to get outside. To your earlier point, spending time outdoors, no matter what you're doing, really does help with focus and decreases stress levels and all of those things. So even if you grab your kids and play a game of freeze tag in the backyard or you're able to, you know, maybe get away to a really close open space for just an hour or so, we really want people just to get outside. Um, you have this opportunity to, to live in a gorgeous state with amazing landscapes, beautiful wildlife, go birding, go check out the bighorn sheep if you happen to be in the Georgetown area. Just go outside. Yeah, and lastly, we'll leave them with this message. You know what? You can't, don't deny yourself on Thanksgiving. You'll feel worse about not enjoying it. But just remember to get out Friday, burn a few of those calories, and get started way before the end of the year on getting a little exercise in and spending time outside. Thank you, Rebecca. Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Rebecca from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to the folks at Sun Enterprises and maybe give you some Christmas gift ideas and a few other things with this weather that's going on on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Joining us from Sun Power Sports is Mark Kite. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. It's uh, not such a beautiful day out. It'd be probably a good day to think about a snowplow. We'll talk about that later. But we've been talking, Mark, about people. I, I don't know. There's people that get excited about Black Friday and they want to go somewhere where the doors open and you get $10 off a $300 TV and you get trampled doing it. It's not my idea of fun. But if you have outdoor enthusiasts in your family, there's lots of options where you can go other places places and get quality service, shop in your leisure, take advantage of great sales. And Sun happens to be one of those, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we're all, we always run specials up here and stuff like that, you know. So now, I mean, you know, we're all about taking care of our customers and it doesn't matter the time of the year, that's for sure. We ironically are having a little bit of a Black Saturday type sale today on the Harley Davidson side because Harley, you know, the brand's a little bit different, but uh, no, for sure. We're always, always about taking care of our people year round. Absolutely. Well, and you do have sales and it does doesn't mean that you don't have Christmas and Black Friday sales, but you don't have 10,000 people. You have the right people lined up for the right kind of things. Like some of the ideas of gifts starting right now and all the way through Christmas, even or even Black Friday, if they want to come in. You mentioned Harley. Their clothing is iconic. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, all the Harley branded stuff is is iconic for sure, and they do such a great job. You know that uh, that brand at, at uh, branding their product, and so yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you know, the other thing you see a lot with Harley Davidson is, is you know, a lot of the Harley stuff isn't on sale year round and stuff like that. You know, they protect their brand pretty well, and so it's nice. You know, when when you can take advantage of a big sale, you know, on the Harley Davidson side for sure. And that's going on today. It is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so today, uh, up until about one o'clock today, and so we've got a lot of people who are very busy over there right now and uh yeah it's going well that's good so what about you know let's just talk about maybe we got the uh the hunter the trail rider the or even just any type of a imported motorcycle give me some gift ideas and maybe they don't want to come in and buy a unit although an atv for the family or a side by side be a heck of a christmas gift yeah you know i mean there's there, there's so many gift ideas here you know it's pretty crazy right now you know i mean um you know this time of the year once we we start getting the the bad weather and, and the snow and stuff like that you know obviously snow plows you know if you already have an atv you know a snow plow attachment is, is always a great gift um we're already starting to move a lot of snow blowers you know we carry the full line of Honda snowblowers, which is the best snowblower on the planet. Um, you know, so that, you know, the other big thing is, is, um, you know, motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side stuff, obviously for all ages, but we have a full line for, for youth, you know, so we have all the kids stuff here right now, and we're really already starting to sell a ton of that stuff, you know, as we move more towards the holidays. So, you know, whether it be youth ATV or youth motorcycle, we carry a full line of go-karts here, you know, and um, so, you know, that's always a great gift idea too, but also parts accessories, you know, um, we got lots of stuff on the parts and accessory side as well. So, you know, whether it's just an accessory for, for a vehicle that they already have or, you know, something special for the hunter, you know, we, we carry all that stuff. Absolutely. Now, as far as the youth stuff, what type of age range do you see people starting to buy, whether it's a, a go-kart or a, a small ATV? And I imagine you have go-karts for adults, too. But give me some age ranges that you kind of, I know it depends on the child, but what do you normally see? Yeah, so no, absolutely. You know, I mean, we sell on the motorcycle side, you know, um, you know, believe it or not, we've got kids riding as young as four. I mean, we've got, you know, training wheel setups and stuff like that. On the ATV side of things, you know, we're, we're bound to age requirements with ATVs. It's a little bit different setup on the ATV side of things. So we don't start kids off on the ATV side of things until a minimum of six years old. And then based on CC, based on age, you know, we have some age requirements when we get into the ATV stuff. But, uh, you know, ultimately that's where it's at. So four and six years old, I would say, is where a lot of the these folks Folks are starting their kids off riding with the family and stuff. Now, on the go karts, are those more of adult go karts, or do you have some for the youth too? That maybe they got a, a track out in a back farmyard or something. Yeah, we've got a full line, so you know we we start them off really young, you know, in that six seven year old range, you know, on on the go karts, um, and then go up there all the way up to. And yes, we have uh, full size go karts for adults as well. And, you know, and then like everything else, you talked about accessories, you know, we're getting close to ice fishing. In fact, you and I aren't very far away from taking an ice fishing trip that is, I'm starting to get anxious. How about you? I am. I'm getting, I'm getting really anxious. Matter of fact, it's funny, Terry. We were just talking about that with some of the service guys yesterday about our trip coming up with you and Karen and Nate, and we're going to have a great time. I'm excited. Oh, it's going to be great. And we're going to put the pressure on Nate. I'm taking no responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, speaking of that, Nate has fallen in love with the track system you can put on the ATVs. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've got him set up on a real nice Honda ATV with a full-blown track set up, and, you know, that's what, uh, you know, he uses in the wintertime for sure. So, yeah, I know he likes it and, and uh, speaks very highly about, you know, the track setup and just all the places you can go with the tracks. It's absolutely amazing where his ATV or any ATV, for that matter, with tracks will go. 
Now, if you want to put the track system on so you can get out, because a lot of lakes in Colorado, once the ice gets thick enough, allow you to run ATVs and snowmobiles on the ice. That track system will go sometimes even where a snowmobile won't. won't. But a lot of people go, well, I want to run it in the summer, too. Well, you can take those off and put wheels on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Super simple to do. You know, I mean, the first install takes a little bit longer because of the mounting hardware for the track system. But after, you know, you get that hardware on there, the hardware stays on the ATV. And so, yeah, a swap from tracks to tires is typically only about 30 to 45 minutes. Well, I can just see that as being tremendous. Uh, You know, we get the different types of conditions when we're out ice fishing, especially. And there's times when you'd almost prefer the wheels, but there's times when you need the tracks, depending on the snow. So you can cover everybody. Mark, tell them, you know, what are your hours coming? Coming up, and then how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, ours, uh, you know, right now we're closed Sundays and Mondays, but we're open Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 6, and Saturday from 9 to 5. Um, you can find us a couple different ways. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Sun Enterprises. You can find us on the web, uh, sunent.com, or we'd love to have you, you know, come up to the store and just, just you know, come kick some tires and look around. Uh, we're located at uh, 89th and Washington and Thornton, so you just take I-25 to the 84th Avenue exit. East two blocks to Pearl Street, and then up Pearl, you can't miss it. Huge, huge facility. Yeah, right. So like five acres, you got a track and everything. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. You have a great, great Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, you too, guys. Have a have a safe holiday, and everybody stay, stay safe out there today. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You bet. Mark Kite from uh, Sun Power Sports. Tremendous partner to this show. Gosh, they've been a partner to this show for I don't know how long. It's just been a tremendous, tremendous amount of time. Uh so, you know, I, we've got so many great partners to this show that can help you with your Christmas shopping. We're going to try to really highlight some of the gift ideas over the next few weeks. We'll have different ones on talking about some ideas all the way from small gifts to fairly big ticket gifts and things you can do. Because sometimes it's hard to shop for the outdoor enthusiast in your family because it's kind of specialized stuff, personal things. Sometimes it's easy, but you know, there's lots of things coming up that will be giving you ideas that everybody can use. And it'll really, it'll really look like you put some thought into it. By the way, follow us on Facebook. You know, if you were, didn't tune in the beginning of the show, you missed a great interview with legendary guide and ice fishing pioneer, Greg Clajo. Karen will post that on our Facebook page in the next couple of days. And you know, at any time there's an interview that you missed that you, or that if you heard and you want to rehear, you can go to 1043thefan.com, go to the menu and my page, and there's about two to three weeks worth of uh, podcasts that are up there all the time on my page. And I believe there's a button you can click to go back and search past podcasts too. We also, on the... Um, on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we post a link to my column in the Denver Post every week. Now, I write a weekly column for the Denver Post, and it's available in different formats, in print, on the app, on the web. The link we put in our Facebook page is usually the best one to follow my article on because it takes you to the one that has all the links. Sometimes in the different formats like the app and, of course, not in print, you don't get links to video and audio that we put with the article. So if you Go to it off of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You get all that information. 
And then if we add a video to our YouTube channel, uh, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, that gets posted on our Facebook page. And trivia answers. We're going to be giving away some pretty incredible trivia gifts probably in the next week or two. The answers to win that trivia will be on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And so if you're not following us or liking us, you may not see that that information. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook is your main line to this show, what's going on, who's coming on, like in in another week we're going to have bro brosdahl if you followed us on facebook you'd know that was coming up so terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook and that's your best way to follow us here but every saturday from 9 to 11 we're going to take a time out we get back we're going to talk to the guys from Tightline outdoors and i'm sure we're going to talk some more fishing right here on terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan